Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't change Yeah, hi everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia, of course, progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. Great to have you on board. Uh, good news today regarding, as we mentioned, Peter Bowl. It's been pretty well covered in the run home with uh, Damian Martin and Paul Hazelby. But the Sports Integrity Australia says it's still investigating whether Peter Bowl, despite his provisional suspension for doping uh, being lifted, uh, whether he's been cleared of all doping allegations after his B sample did not match his A sample. Bowl, who finished fourth, as we know, in the 800 metres at the Tokyo Olympics, returned a positive result for the banned substance EPO early this year. His suspension from that urine sample taken last October was backdated to January the 10th, meaning he could not train or compete at any level. He had previously declared his innocence, uh, posted on social media, announcing the result and said, last month, I told everybody that I was innocent and asked that everyone in Australia believe me and let the process play out. So he's a uh, Certainly relieved man, and we wish him all the best, even though, as we mentioned, Sports Integrity Australia is still going through the process. But for the meantime, Peter Bowler is clear, and his name's been cleared as well. We'll touch a bit more on that a bit later on. Very shortly, Dean Margetz is going to join us. He umpired over 300 career games in the AFL, uh, only retired recently. And what I want to ask him is about the four-umpire system. I read an article, actually, in one of the Australian newspapers this morning suggesting get ready, public, get ready, players. With four umpires, there will be some mistakes that will be made. There will be some mistakes, and you need to be lenient in relation to the four-umpire system. I'm going to ask Dean Mygetz, why do we need four umpires? Why is four umpires coming in for starters? When I was growing up as a young fella, again, you'd be saying, Peter, you're going back to the old days, the black and white days. Yeah, I am. But there was one umpire. Then it was okay to go two. Then all of a sudden, people thought, three? And now people are saying, what, four? When is it going to stop? So I'm saying to Dean Margetz, do we need four umpires? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? Yet, They're coming out before the season starts saying, get ready. There will be some teething problems. There will be some mistakes made. Well, we're just sort of getting used to the three umpire system. And they're only now starting to work together. And now we're throwing another spanner in the works. Anyway, we're going to talk to Dean Margetz about that. I can't see the logic in it personally. I cannot see the logic in it. Also, the fact I'm going to talk to Dean Margetz, is it that difficult to bounce the ball? Is it that difficult to bounce the ball? All of a sudden, because the umpires feel so under pressure, they're going to now throw it up. So one of the basics and one of the traditions of Australian rules football is going out the window. And the other thing, and it's going to be trialled in the waffle preseason, last touch, 
So if you're the last person to touch the football and it goes over the boundary line, the other team will get possession of it and bring it back into play. Anyway, Dean Margetz is going to join us in just a moment. Love to get your thoughts, actually, on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. If I get some questions, I'll throw it to Dean because he's about to join us now. 0487 736 736. That's uh, Tempera at Bedshed text machine. 0487 736 736. Uh, and Dean now joins us on the program. Uh, the man who umpired over 300 career games in the AFL and never had a bad one. Hello, Dean. How are you going? Have we got you, Dean? I think Dean's still coming to uh, the line. Uh, of course, in May 2022, uh, he appeared on an AFL-centred YouTube channel, Backchat, and uh, he discussed umpiring games of AFL and his career. I think we may try him again in a moment. He's not quite ready for us. As well, later on in the program, I've got a couple of studio guests coming in. And I know I've been certainly looking at the UFC over the last two or three days, particularly after the event here on Sunday. Well, coming into the studio is a young man, Stephen Ursick. His nickname is Astro Boy. And there are now questions and speculation going around after his performance at Eternal MMA at HBF Stadium on Saturday night, that he could follow Jack Della Maddalena as the next West Australian boy from Perth to get into the UFC. We know about Jack Della Maddalena and what he's achieved, and his career now is on its way up, and he's going to be earning the big bucks. So we're going to speak, and I'll ask him the question, even though it hasn't been signed off yet, but we believe that the man that you'll be hearing uh, in the second half of the program will be our next UFC entrant from Perth, Western Australia. And uh, we'll be uh, having chat to Stephen Ursick and uh, Brett Bonetti, our MMA uh, experts, going to join us as well. I think we've got Dean Margetts on the phone now, the man that umpired over 300 games in the AFL. And Dean, I said in the intro, you never umpired a bad one. Oh, thanks, Peter. Um, the last time we, we were side-by-side side at the Waffle uh, Grand Final at Leadable, what a great day it was. Yeah, it was a fantastic game, uh, and you were there. In fact, I saw you last year, for those people that don't know. Again, you held control. You uh, were so uh, under control with the way you umpired it. The big uh, grand final that you umpired between Cervantes and Mora last year... Uh, I think it was a Central Districts uh, League, I think it was, at Dan Darrigan. Mate, you were just outstanding in that grand final. <laughs> oh, thanks, Pete. You'll always get a cherry right from me when you talk like that. <laughs> uh, mate, thanks for joining us. I, I read an article, actually, I think it may have been in the Australian newspaper this morning, suggesting, coming from the AFL, that we're going with four umpires in the AFL this year. And to get ready, whether you're players, coaches, supporters or whatever, that there will be mistakes and there will be teething problems. My first question is, why are we going with four umpires? Yeah, look, I think one of the rationales, Pete, is to obviously improve decision-making. I'm not 100% convinced that'll be the case. I think it's more of a, an opportunity for the AFL to transition some newer umpires uh, into the big stage whilst we've got some experienced umpires still there to sort of assist them through their development phase. That's my biggest takeaway from the four-umpire system. 
Is it also an opportunity, and don't get me started by anybody questioning <laughs> me, but is it an opportunity to get now more female umpires into the AFL setup by opening it up to four? I think so. I think the AFL have come out quite openly and said that. My only question to the AFL would be to, we put 10 new umpires onto the system this year, but they're all 10 males. So um, could we have put a couple extra on females? Maybe, but I certainly hope in time, if they're certainly competent enough and you know in the right um, headspace to umpire men's footy, that they should be entitled to have a go. Yeah, for sure. If you were still umpiring, would you like to umpire with three others on the ground? Uh, is there always the possibility of confusion? Yeah, there is, particularly when you've got two umpires in the mid zone in that centre square piece sort of trying to find the right position. And as you know, the games are very 360 games. So whilst you might feel like you're in the perfect position, that can change very quickly with a change of direction of play. I, I found in the trial we did in 2018, it was a bit clunky and a bit cumbersome. Um, so I'm a bit old school with the three-umpire system. I think it's, you know... One umpire in every third. If you see a free kick from another zone, you can still pay it. I guess we've got to see it to get some, you know, full facts and data on it. Um, but yeah, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm a bit old school when it comes to the free umpire system. So you got reservations now that you're out of the system, whether it's actually going to work or whether it's going to be headline after headline because mistakes were made. Yeah, look, I think we always put our hand up and say that mistakes are going to be made. I mean, whilst we strive for the perfect um, performance from an umpire point of view, the way the game's played these days, it's almost impossible. Um, but to, to put another umpire on the field to maybe pick up the odd throw that the crowd see and we're on that side of the play, is it worth it? Maybe. Um, um, I guess we've got to just see the proof in the pudding in the, maybe the first um, part of that sort of trial phase in the pre-season and maybe the first three rounds of the home and away. Surely this is where it's going to stop. We can't be seen to have more umpires on the field than four. I, I, I thought I'd never in my days of following Australian rules football that I'd ever see four umpires on a football field. I mean, maybe in time, boundary umpires could start making decisions, Pete. So then we could have umpires blowing the whistles all over the, over the shop. Look, I'm a bit like you there. I'm, I'm not sure where it goes or where, or where it ends up. But, you know, the good thing about AFL footy, Pete, I'm sure you'll agree, um, we have a great way of adjusting and moving on very quickly. I remember when the stand rule came in and the 666 rule came in. That was it. The game was over. It was going to be... That's it. But we find a way to adjust and move on. And I think last season we saw it was a pretty exciting um, year of AFL footy. Certainly was. There's no question it was a very exciting season. Let's say we have a great season in 2023. The other one is that it's been part of... Footy folklore, the bounce, and it looks like it's on its way out and it looks like the ball will be thrown up at centre bounce yeah. down. Is that because the umpires have lost confidence in bouncing the ball? Um, look, at the AFL level, no, because obviously at the level we were at, you know, umpires, are, you know, we're expected to get those sort of things right. But certainly think at, you know, community level and certainly at state level, we're looking at trolling the no bounce in the um, first few weeks of the practice games in Waffle Peak. And obviously, I'm the operations manager for the Waffle and Waffle W umpires. And I watch a lot of umpires practice the skill at training, and I can see how much they go through it. And then I watch games, and I see some umpires bounce the ball maybe two or three times in a game, Pete. And I'm thinking to myself, are we, are we better off spending more time on better decision makers, better match managers, rather than a skill that, you know, really, when you add it up, it's probably 12 seconds of their whole game. And really, only umpires notice if it's a good bounce or a bad bounce. Most people only notice it when it's a bad one. And now that we've got the recall, if it is bad, well, is there any real need to have it? Um, can we knock down another barrier of getting better umpires into the system? I mean, I think I've worked out over time, Pete, that 
other than AFL umpiring or, or obviously rules footy, I think ice skating is the only other sport in the world where you need to have a skill to umpire, which is obviously mm-hmm. to be able to skate. So I think when you look at it like that, you know, can it reduce injuries? Yes. I mean, I've, I know AFL umpires of my cohort who get really quite stressed and anxious about the bounce in front of, you know, 50,000 people. I always loved it. I always enjoyed doing it. Um, but if I take away my personal um, objective on it and you look in the big picture of the game, uh, I can see it probably adding value. And I also remember, Pete, and you remember back in 2013, we used to bounce around the ground. Yes. Some, you know, 30, 40 bounces. Now, most people these days wouldn't even remember that. So if it does go out, and it probably will in time, if not this year um, or next year, uh, will we remember in five years? Probably not. Yet you look at art in certain sports, and it was certainly a fine art that our officials mm. used to master. In the old yeah. days when there was one umpire, they used to bounce it uh, many, <laughs> many times and often never used to miss. And the grounds yep. weren't as pristine then as they were now. The other question I need to pose, and the game has changed, there's no question about that, yep. is it also a way to make sure umpires stay in the game and don't get stressed out saying, I, I can't umpire because I can't bounce, I'm leaving the sport? Is that another reason, do you think? Oh. Absolutely. I mean, I remember there was, you know, waffle umpires and I was coming through as a junior who, you know, unfortunately couldn't make the AFL because the, the bouncing wasn't up to scratch. So do we want to lose really good decision makers, really good match managers um, because of a skill which really, at the end of the day, doesn't have impact? I've heard people suggest, why don't you just bounce the ball at the start of each quarter for the history? But then you're asking one umpire to have to practice during the week for maybe one bounce. And then if that bounce is skewed with, there's a lot of work for what? What purpose? Not a lot. Um, as far as ruck craft goes, Pete, I know what they're saying about that standard sort of six-metre throw in the middle of the ground, but you're still going to have boundary throw-ins and they can still do their body work. So I, I think it'll find a comfortable place in the game moving forward if we go down that path. You mentioned boundary umpires earlier about possibly making decisions. <laughs> Could they be eradicated in time because of the last touch rule? And what about the future of goal umpires with technology? We've seen the lines person eliminated from yeah. tennis. Uh, if technology continues the way it's going, could it be just four field umpires on the ground and, of course, the others may no longer exist? Yeah, I don't think so because with the boundary umpire, first of all, last disposal is going to be there maybe at some point, but there'll always be that doubt where we're not sure, so we've got to throw the ball in. Some could say, can the field umpire just bring the ball in 10 metres and throw it up? But my question is you, Pete, who's going to run the ball back to the field umpire after a goal's kicked? Uh, okay, yeah, get good call. Maybe we'll get bald kids like <laughs> tennis. <laughs> I don't think we want players going, jumping the fence and kicking the ball back like Yeah, that. good call. I don't think we want to get to that point, so you've got to be a bit mindful of that and the aesthetics of the game. So saying that, uh, do you think it's changed too much from your time, from when you umpired your very first AFL game <laughs> to your last? and Or do you, are you comfortable with the progression the game has taken? Uh it's certainly changed a lot, but I've always taken the view, Pete, we're a little bit like the police. Now, whether the police believe that should be a 60-speed zone or a 70, that's the law book. you just got to go and apply the laws. And umpires, um, the more time we spend arguing or disagreeing with the decision of new laws, well, you're sort of behind the eight ball. So I think the quicker we just adapt, except that's the umpire's decision from a laws committee point of view. And as I say, umpires go to AFL clubs weekly for club visits and match simulation and, and I'm really confident that players, coaches and umpires can adjust to any change very quickly. They're all professional and, and I think, again, in 2023, we'll see a pretty exciting product on the field um, in season and AFL and, and Waffle and all country and, and community leagues. And through, and through your involvement at your level, are 
people taking up umpiring because we know about the shortage over the last season yeah. or two. Yeah, are numbers yeah, growing? No. Yep, absolutely growing. Um, we've got 37 new umpires who've joined the waffle system this year to make our group to about 183, which is as big a group as I can remember, um, age, ranging from ages of you know 16 year olds to sort of 6 year olds, which I think is really exciting. Um, the, the challenge is always, Pete, when kids get to that sort of 17, 18, 19 year age, where you know jobs come on the scene, girlfriends come on the scene, and other distractions. So it's retaining them in the system um, is really important. But here at the Waffle Umpire Program, we, we run a pretty good um, program. We have a really strong cultural charter. We sort of underpins what we do. And, and, you know, we're trying to develop really good people, not just for umpiring, but so they can be better in their, in their jobs and in the community. So at the moment, I'm pretty comfortable with this. We can always get better and we can always improve. But if we can week by week, you know, game by game, just knock the, the abusive parent on the head and say, hey, mate, you know, maybe think about how you're going about it, then we're in a good place moving forward. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about junior sports today and the parent situation is really an issue. I didn't think it was yeah. as significant as it is, but it is a real, real issue. So it's uh, sad to hear. Finally, as we let you go, again, going back to the top of the interview, if you're making the decision, would you go with four umpires or stay with three? I'd be comfortable in seeing the trial and the practice matches, but I would be probably sticking with three. Not going with four? No. Okay. Good on you, Dean. Thanks for joining us, mate. I'll see you around the grounds, as they say, during this coming season. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate you putting a lot on umpiring once again. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Dean Margetts, one of the best when it came to uh, umpiring. uh, And what I noticed last year, he was happy to help, of course, at various country leagues, uh, in the waffle. He was there at the grand final, offering his support uh, to the umpires uh, in the box there in the grand final at Leederville Oval. A good man and does a great job. It's 17 past five. Give us your thoughts on that. Get on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. 0487 736 736. Just some uh, sports headlines before we take a break where you can uh, get at Tyre Power. Buy three, get one free and selected Falcon Tyres during Tyre Power's best buys on big brand sales. As we mentioned, the big story is today... The fact that uh, Peter Boll, the Sporting Integrity of Australia, has today informed Athletics Australia of the outcome of Peter Boll's B-sample analysis that was conducted by a WADA-approved laboratory. And the result of the B-sample was reported by the laboratory as atypical, which is neither negative nor positive and requires further investigations. Under the World Anti-Doping Code, Athletics Australia is now required to lift the provisional suspension whilst the investigation continues. And Peter is now permitted to train at a national, state or club level, compete and coach, as well as receive funding, use official or member facilities and hold a position with a sporting organisation. So that's great news for Peter Bowl. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Adam Simpson and also Justin Longmuir, the respective coaches of our two AFL sides, spoke today. We'll feature a bit on that, plus so much more. And, of course, all the sports updates brought to you by Tyre Power. Buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Tyre Power's best buys on big brands. 18 past five here on Sports Day, all thanks to Kia. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Oh, 
Ah, oh, yes, we've got Stephen Ursick. He's just joined us in the studio with Brett Benetti, who's our uh, Sports Day WA MMA correspondent. He's been good, Brett. He's kept us right up to date, and he's brought all the breaking news. The gents are going to join us in just a moment, and we'll tell you Steve Ursick's nickname. Now, if you followed six, 1960s animation and cartoons and all that, that's what his nickname is. So we'll speak to, to Steve in just a moment. Let's just update what's happened in uh, AFL today. And a lot of talk regarding Jack Darling's injury and whether that'll keep him out of the season. Now, Adam Simpson, the coach of the West Coast Eagles, did speak today. And he was asked the question on Jack Darling. There were fears it could be syndesmosis. And if that was the case, it could be a long time on the sidelines. This is what Simo said about Jack Darling. Jack, yeah, he, um, we, we feared for the worst last Friday. Um, and, um, yeah, we got some pretty good news. So I don't think it's too severe. He'll be touch and go for round one. But knowing the way he is, I think he might be OK. So no surgery, um, just, a, just an ankle. And then... Um, Let's see how he recovers the next couple of weeks. But it just took us a bit of, a bit of time to get to where we needed to with some scans and extra scans. And, you know, we'll take it pretty easy with him. But, yeah, hopefully we've dodged a bullet. Yeah, well, that's great news for the West Coast Eagles fans who uh, the Eagles have gone through their pre-season unscathed at the moment. Everyone's touching wood after what was a horrendous pre-season last year with uh, players going down left, right and centre with injury. Uh, up the road at the Fremantle Footy Club, Justin Longmuir also spoke today. And, of course, all the talk is regarding who will replace Nat Fife as captain. Firstly, JL did address uh, Fife stepping down as skipper. Yeah, like I've said all along, it's about you know, what what's best for the footy club, what's best for Fifey, and what um, you know allows us to continue to grow as a as a club and culture, but also um, what's best for to get him back to playing his best footy. Um, you know, a lot's been spoken about um, the ups or the downs he had last year um, and what he went through with his body and you know and what that led to his mental state and. Yeah, it was a collaborative approach by, you know, the leaders of the football club, Fifey included, to get to the decision that we got to. And, um, yeah, yeah Fifey's stood aside as the captain um, and, um, yeah, he, he's, he hasn't got the title of captain anymore, but, you know, he assured me that he's still going to be the leader he's been all along. And um, that was probably what along with a couple of other things, that's probably what um, made me yeah, rest easy. Oh, there you go. And then JL was asked the question, so Nat Pfeiffer stepped down as skipper of the Fremantle Football Club. Uh, is Andrew Brayshaw the next captain, or is he too young to captain? Oh, age doesn't play any part for me. Um, yeah, it's more, the, it's more yeah, the leadership they show in all different situations. So, um, you know, he, he'll definitely be a candidate, um, but, yeah, age doesn't really come into it. He also went on, he's hopeful the star defender, Brennan Cox, will make an appearance this pre-season. He struggles to overcome an infection in his knee. Uh, Longmuir did reveal that Cox recently injured himself in a skateboarding accident, but the injury worsened when the defender's scab became infected. So uh, there you go. Now, after the program... Go on YouTube and check this out. Now, this tennis player, his name is Alexander Bublik. He's a Russian-Kazakhstani tennis player, reportedly pretty good. Uh, he got beaten in a match in France overnight. He got so upset, 
He didn't smash one racket. Didn't smash two rackets. He smashed three rackets in a row. Complete. Yeah, three rackets. Not one. Not two. Three rackets. He just went ballistic. Uh, he lost a tyre break in the deciding third set, got ousted. And I tell you what, he just lost his cool big time. So check that out. And also the other news is that Ben Simmons, Jimmy Williams, who loves his NBA, that's his favourite player, Jimmy. He's failed to improve his game in the NBA. He showed he hasn't learned from his past mistakes, Jimmy, has he? Hasn't learned. In his time in Philadelphia, he came to a disastrous end, as we know, following an ugly postseason exit that saw the Aussie hang out to try, try by his coach and superstar teammate. As you remember, in the dying stages of that fourth quarter Game 7 contest against the Atlanta Hawks, Simmons showed just how broken his offensive game was when he opted to pass off a wide-open dunk to a teammate who was instantly mobbed by Hawks defenders. Fast forward almost 20 months, and the game against the New York Knicks, which in the grand scale of the season means probably extremely little, but the Aussie guard did it again. After setting a screen for Cameron Johnson, the 26-year-old got the ball back with an open lane to the hoop. But like it was against the Hawks, Simmons simply refused to go anywhere near the rim with the ball. This time he dished it off to a flat-footed Nick Claxton. So there you go, Ben Simmons. Where's his mental state of mind? That is the big question. I tell you who's got a very strong mental state of mind is my next guest. We're going to have a chat to him next here on Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. I remember that as a kid, Astro Boy, and he had sort of jets at the uh, soles of his feet, and he used to fly through the air with the greatest of ease. And you're thinking, if you've just tuned in, as Peter lost his marbles, why is he playing the Astro Boy theme? Because my next guest, that is his nickname. And as we know, he's a man that is going places, Australia's best MMA promotion, Eternal MMA. He was the star on Saturday night. We're talking about Stephen Astro Boy Ursic, who I believe could be on to bigger and better things. And we're about to discuss that now. Steve, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Welcome to uh, Sports Day WA. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of MMA and, of course, UFC and all that, because we believe there's some exciting things happening for you down the track, how did you get the nickname? Uh, so my coach's ex-girlfriend basically were, like, brainstorming ideas, and I think she just thought I looked like Astro Boy, and, yeah, it just stuck. So now ever since then I've been... Uh, that's been my name. Well, every time I talk to this fella, who is our uh, expert commentator on anything to do with the MMA, boxing, UFC, Brett Benetti. Hello, Brett. How are you going? <laughs> Good afternoon, Pete. You always say Stephen Astro Boy Ursic, and you've brought him into the studio today uh, because, firstly, tell us about, because you were involved with the big event, Eternal 73 on Saturday night. He was the star attraction. Oh, certainly was. He was the main event, and I've been calling it for a very long time. Uh, 
I've seen, I've called many of his fights, and I said this kid is going to be in the UFC. And uh, and after he uh, you know won a fight in 2021, I started saying UFC ready. And he's been UFC ready since 2021 and a great prospect. And I think he's going to be following Jack Della Maddalena into the UFC very soon. That's yeah. my prediction. And that's him. your prediction. You believe uh, from what you gather. And I know that Steve can't say too much about <laughs> that, but you thinking it could happen soon? I think so, because, look, I, I can uh, tell you what I witnessed on, uh, yeah, on tell Saturday us, night. Tell us so, the backstory on how you s- supposedly got that confident to suggest this fella here, Stephen Astroboyosic, could be following in Jack Della De Maddalena's footsteps and becoming the second UFC uh, fighter out of Perth, Western Australia. Well, not only is he taken out all the competition in Australia and he's on a nine-fight win streak, and Eternal Cam O'Neill and Ben Vickers from Eternal MMA had to go international to find him a quality opponent. They found him a quality opponent from Japan who was no joke, and then he submits him in a minute and a half. So that's number one. So dominant performance. He took out a bit of frustration. I'll let Steve tell you about the year he had in 2022, which was meant to be his year. But then he, again, he's such a great talent and uh, and he's rising. But Mick Maynard and Hunter Campbell. Who are? They are the UFC matchmakers. Right. They were at HBF Stadium on Saturday night just to see this man fight. And then I was waiting to interview and do the post-fight uh, mm-hmm. interview with Steve Astro Boy Urseg, as I always say. And he was having a chat. They went to see him straight after his fight. Now, having a lengthy conversation with him, they were very impressed with his performance. So there's nothing else to do in Australia. He's too good for Eternal MMA is Australia's best MMA promotion. He is too good for that now. The next step has to be UFC. There's no other way. So it mm. has to happen, and I believe it will, will happen next. Fantastic. We look forward to the announcement, supposedly, in coming days. But you're going to be introduced to this man first here on Sports Day WA. Let me find out a bit about you. You're locally born and bred. Tell us about your background. Where were you born? What schools did you go to? And and then we'll find out how you got involved in, of course, mixed martial arts. Yes, yeah, so I was born in um, well, in Perth, Um what school did you go to? I, I, I went to Christ the King in primary school, and then as I got older, I moved into uh, Corpus Christi, which is a uh, oh Corpus Christi out yeah. in the southern suburbs there. Yeah, exactly. Still got mates from school. Uh, I have a couple. Yeah, do they come and watch you. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. So what got you into mixed martial arts? What was the trigger? Because I, I know Jack Della Maddalena's family fairly well, and of course the two boys got a brother, both very good rugby players. Josh. Yeah, very good rugby players. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, Tony's, who's the father, tells me, have a look at Jack. He's doing this, he's doing that. And then I followed him. All of a sudden, he's got to where he's got. So what triggered you to become interested in this sport? Um, so I was always a little guy. And so... Because you you're actually quite streamlined, aren't you? You're not yeah. sort of bulky or anything no. like that. No, I'm, a, I'm a, definitely a small guy. Um, and because I was small, I guess there's always that like little man syndrome. Um, moving on, I was a big wrestling fan, and there was a guy called Brock Lesnar, so uh, WWE, yeah. Brock Lesnar, and he came over to the UFC, and they did this whole promo thing of, oh, his hands are so big, we had to make new gloves for him, he's a monster, he's a beast, blah, blah, and he came over to the UFC, and he fought a guy called Frank Mir, who, for a normal human being, is a big person, but compared to Brock Lesnar, was a little guy, um, and when it, the fight started, he was getting absolutely mauled, uh, Frank Mir mm-hmm. was. And out of nowhere, he grabbed his foot, put on a, I think it was a toe hold, and finished the fight. And so 
being a little guy, I was like, man, I have to, whatever that was, I need to figure out what, like how to do that. And, um, yeah, like from there on, I, yeah, pursued, found a gym and the rest what, is history. What did your parents say about you getting involved? Um, I don't think my dad like expected that I wanted to fight. He just knew that I wanted to train. So he was all for it. He started with me at the same time. We've trained together this whole time. Mm. When my mum found out that I wanted to fight, uh, she was... Uh, <laughs> she wouldn't have been happy. No, she was like, she's always been supportive, but she was definitely against it. She didn't want me to do it. Um, and that's just, yeah, her being loving and... Uh, do they, do they come and trip. see you? Yeah, they come to every single fight. And uh, they get nervous? Yeah, of course. They're my parents. Mum says, I hope my little boy doesn't get hurt. Yeah, well, she um, as best as, she does the, the best she can, but she's often crying uh, <laughs> at the events. So, um, oh, like, really? Yeah. So yeah. what's the key to his success, Brett? I think his ground game and his cardio. His cardio is fantastic, and I think his ground game is elite. So if you go to the ground with him, it's very hard to uh, to get out. And uh, and again, he's. I think he's only been challenged once in the in the last uh, you know several years, really. That was by Cody Haddon, who I also believe mm. I mentioned on this show. The two guys I mentioned at the UFC press conference was Steve Astroboy Ursig and Cody Haddon. Those two guys had the fight of the year, which I had the pleasure of calling in 2021, and he was challenged, but overcame that challenge and and won the fight. So other than that, and then he destroyed an opponent that was calling him out, Paul Oger. I uh, wanted to uh, have the chance to get revenge on Steve uh, Ursig. Didn't happen. Took him out in the first round. He's been dominating ever since. So he over, overcomes, you know, high challenges. And he, I believe that he even been training, having a bit of training sessions with Cody Haddon as well. So he's smart enough to ba- basically know who can push him to the limit and take advantage of that. So those guys are pushing each other in the gym as well. Mm. So I admire that. Uh, and uh, again, I can't wait to see what's next to him. I said the same thing about Jack Della Maddalena yeah. before anyone knew. You knew who he was because of his family, but I'd called his fights as well. And I said, watch out for Jack Della Maddalena coming through. Look at him now. Four UFC fights, four first round stoppages. I'm saying the same thing for Stephen Ursig. Big call, Brett Bernetti. Uh, what about Jack? Uh, you would have seen him on yeah. Sunday morning. It was just awesome, wasn't it? Man, I've yeah, I haven't seen a walkout like that. That was just amazing like everybody in the crowd uh chanting the uh the walkout song that what was, was the atmosphere like it, i could, can't even explain it was just so loud and like everybody was so pro australia and it was just it was unreal like nothing I've, like I've, I've been through the grand final the only thing that was like similar like the crowd mm, in the grand final mm, mm. yeah some people are saying that it was the most unbelievable event they've ever been to. You know, a couple of our media, my media colleagues, they went there with an open mind and just couldn't believe the atmosphere that was contained. So, Steve, looking at progression now is that we believe, and Brett sort of hinted that the next step could be UFC. It's still not as if it's going to be the money train for you. We know Jack now might be on his way to some pretty good paychecks through pay-per-view and all that. Uh, what do you do when you're not training? So I teach martial arts at my uh, home gym, so or at my gym uh, that I train at, so Wilsh Martial Arts. I teach uh, children's martial arts. Um, I do kid, uh, kids and adult jiu-jitsu, and I teach uh, PTs and stuff like that. From are there. you noticing it's growing? The interest is growing? A lot of young people are keen to get involved in, in that part of uh, the sport? Yeah, mostly jiu-jitsu. There's a huge... Jiu-jitsu has um, become popular, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very much so. I think it's Which a is bit... what exactly? Explain what jiu-jitsu is. So jiu-jitsu is basically like the act of grappling on the ground. So like you do chokes and holds and all that sort of thing, but like strictly on the ground. Um, and I think because there's no striking and that sort of thing, people are 
like the fact they can defend themselves and it's cool with UFC does it and that sort of thing, but there's less physical toll. Um, so, yeah, parents are more willing to have the kids in it and, um, yeah, people just enjoy it more. I've got to ask you something, though, because the only thing I thought UFC 284 was such a fantastic event, but I said 2022 was meant to be your year. Your year. You were supposed to be on Dana White's Contender Series and obviously v, no, no fault of your own. You had visa issues, so couldn't get the fight. You should have really been on that card. So you would have had mixed feelings knowing that you should have been walking out, in my opinion, and fighting at UFC 284 instead of the main eventing Eternal MMA. I mean, so you think Steve could have also been at that event on Sunday? A hundred percent. Even he said it himself after he uh, defeated his uh, opponent at Eternal. So I should have been fighting at uh, tomorrow morning. But yeah, did you have mixed feelings knowing that you could have been going out to that walkout and fighting in front of your, your home crowd as well, as well as Jack? Yeah, of course. Like that's a dream come true. Fighting in Perth is something that. Um, yeah, people dream of their whole life, having a crowd chanting your name, all that sort of stuff. And to be in the venue and then, yeah, not be fighting and seeing people that you've competed against in the past yourself and beaten, compete themselves um, at that event. Um, yeah, it's hard, but like, at least I was there. Like, mm. that's, yeah. Yeah, we get, we both get to saw it, but the same thing, you should <laughs> be fighting. But 2022, I mentioned that that was meant to be your year. So how frustrating was it, knowing that it was meant to be your year, but the year that it turned out, how frustrating was it for you? Oh, it's, yeah. Again, uh, you worked so hard for an opportunity and then, again, it gets taken away from you for, uh, through no fault of your own. It was incredibly frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, you just got to push through. Like, lots of people have setbacks and the only way you're going to get anywhere in life is, yeah, pushing through and getting getting to work. We've got a couple of questions coming through. We're going to take a break and then we're going to get you those uh, questions thrown to you. Uh, Stephen, Astro Boy Ursic and Brett Bonetti, our MMA uh, UFC boxing is a great all-round. In fact, how long have you been covering it for, Brett? I remember when we used to work many years ago and used to come about F- UFC and we used to say, what's that? Yeah, you wouldn't even talk about it back then. Yeah, but now how many years ago was that? Uh, probably since 2005 or yeah. six. He's been a real crusader, Steve. He really has. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll throw a few more questions to Steve and Brett as well. And if you'd like to join us, get on the Temper Bedshed text machine. Uh, text line 0487 736 736. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlas. All thanks to Kia. Yes, we're speaking to Steve Astro Boy Ursic. Let's have a couple more bars of Astro Boy. No, we haven't got it. And also Brett Bonetti, our correspondent here on Sports Day WA. A couple of questions here. Firstly, how many fighters on the card had Steve beaten on Sunday morning at the big UFC event? So there was one guy on the UFC card that I'd already beaten, uh, and that was for the title on Eternal. Okay. Another question is, what would it mean for Steve to be signed to UFC, which we believe, that is, Brett and I believe, is on the cards, and there may be announcement not far away. Um, Yeah, dream come true. Like, 10 years of solid work, uh, sacrifice, and yet to be able to be somewhere and then start finally trying to, like... uh, do that for my partner, my family, that'd be amazing. It's just like getting to the big league. Like it being is. if you started playing Australian rules footy yes. and you played juniors and then you got to the waffle and then you got drafted to play in the AFL. This is the big league. That's exactly what it is. It's like playing in the AFL. And that's that's and you've been involved in it, Brett. That is the pathway. MMA, uh, Eternal and now where Steve is. Oh, I've seen it and I'm seeing the progression of the sport in Australia as well. I mean, all started with Solar the whole Palaley. Yeah, you mentioned before when I started following it, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. 
he come on the scene. Then you've got Jack Della Maddalena. Then you've got Stephen Astroboy Urseg, already spoken about Cody Haddon. Then there's young prospects like Quill and Salku that might be a couple of years away as well. But it's, the sport is in very good uh, condition uh, as far as promotion, you know, and, uh, and talent. The talent in this country. Look at what Alexander Volkanovsky has mm. done as well. He was magnificent on Sunday. So, uh, Gee, he was very sportsmanlike, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he, the way yeah. he spoke after, oh, I was credit where credit's due. He would have been gutted to lose. It was such a, a thriller, close bout. Uh, but he was so sportsmanlike in defeat. I feel like that's Australian for you. Like they're mm. tough, they're tough as, and um, yeah, they're just good blokes. That's, yeah. yeah. You made an interesting point because uh, there's been a couple of people who've actually just sent through. Uh, one says, uh, what sort of injuries had you sustained in UFC? Because people see it as a very physical sport. Yeah, so I've hurt my like my back. I had some back injuries in the uh, MMA, but honestly, I've had worse injuries playing football. Um, what Australian rules football? Australian rules football, yeah. I hurt my ankle. I broke my ankle. I've had knee injuries, shoulder injuries. Just yeah, Because you, people aren't always in front of you, you're getting hit from all angles. Um yeah, it's way worse for your body. Is that right? So you've had worse injuries playing Australian rules football than, of course, in MMA. Yeah, I don't think it helps that I'm smaller compared to everybody else in um, Aussie rules, but, yeah, definitely worse. In That's NFL. interesting. That's interesting. So, Brett, uh, looking at the progression, you mentioned that the sport now will grow. You look at Jack Madalena, Della Madalena, who would be seen as a bit of a... Um, uh, how can we term a shopping window type of situation? People yep. say, I can maybe aspire to be like him. You no doubt are hoping, because you're the same age. You're 27. Jack, I think, is 26. Yep. Is that when you start to mature mentally and also your body tends to develop where you can maybe get ready for being an elite sports person at that level? Yeah, I think anywhere from 25 to 33, your body probably is, like, at its peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and mentally, you probably don't really get... Um, you hit your peak until you're, like, 29, I think. How so. mentally strong do you need to be to... Because oh, yeah. there's no get out. You're in a cage. Yeah. There's nowhere to go here, is there? No. The, I mean, everything's easy when you're winning. The hard, it's mentally strong when things get tough. Like the Volk Islam fight, it's five rounds. It's a slog the whole time. Like that's when it gets like you need you need some guts then. Mm. So, Brett, I saw a tweet from Conor McGregor. He saw it from abroad and he was saying, damn, it looks so good. Perth put on such a great show. I wish I'd travelled down under. So all of a sudden, people, the the elite, the people that are big in the sport, watching it overseas, took notice of what happened here on Sunday. I wish he had to come down as too, uh, as well, to be honest with you. But it, it goes to show, next time it come back, it comes back to Australia, and it will. And we're hoping it comes back to Perth, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully next year. They've been talking about it. It was such a, a success. Hopefully they come back next year. And, you know, Steve Ursa can be on that card. But uh, but Conor won't make the same mistake again. He'll make sure he comes down to Australia. But uh, and there's going to be a lot more personalities. Yeah, Logan Paul and KSI was happy to get booed by the way when he come up on the screen. But uh, they you, know, were here. you know what I said? Who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was the same. I, I didn't know who they are because of my son, and they wanted get, get me a bottle of this Prime. I said, "What the hell is Prime? They're selling for twenty dollars a bottle. It's crazy." I saw it. I saw that photo of you on social media. Steve, thanks for joining us. Good luck with uh, your future. Thanks for spending some time with us, Sam. We'll look forward to the announcement, Brett, of Steve being, uh, of course, in the UFC, which will be another huge boost for the sport here in Western Australia. Good luck, mate. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing us in, uh, Brett.
Brett, you're a good man. Enjoy the fights. And here we go with Astro <laughs> Boy as we leave you. This has been Sports Day WA with Peter Vlas. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. Let's take it out with the hero from the 1960s. <laughs> Oh, my God.